Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment. If you want to get someone's attention, just tell them a great story. That's what this show is all about, success stories. Every week I'll introduce you to women who are doing great things with their lives, despite every obstacle in their path. I've interviewed over 600 women throughout my career as a broadcaster, and they've taught me so many things. Lessons about courage, purpose, resiliency, perseverance, joy, the true meaning of success, and love. Successful women think differently. I really believe that. Success is so much more than the outcome. It's about the journey. It's the story of how you got to where you are today. I think we can all agree, when your mother dies, it's a heartbreak. You mourn, you cherish the memories, you remember her words of wisdom. But when a young girl loses her mother, it's life-changing. On that day, the girl becomes a member of the Motherless Daughters Club. And let me tell you, that's a club no girl ever wants to join. I'm a member, and so is my guest, Kara Belvin, founder of Empower Her, a nonprofit whose mission is to empower girls who have experienced the early loss of their mothers. And the idea is so pure, so simple, so needed, and yet, Kara's charity is completely unique. There is no other nonprofit in the United States that offers this kind of support to girls between 3 and 18. A girl always needs her mother, and that's where Kara Belvin and her team of volunteers steps in, lifting these girls up through powerful programs, including one-on-one -on -one mentoring to make sure that their young lives are filled with hope and optimism. Kara, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Candy. Let's tell your story. You know, the moment we met, I felt an immediate bond with you. You know, we both lost our moms early in our life, and I'm sure you see this bond with the girls in your program. I do, of course, and it is such a unique loss. It's such an extraordinary loss and extraordinary trauma. Really, all my life, I was desperate to meet other girls who could relate to that loss. My story is this. My mother died when she was 37 years old of breast cancer after a two-year battle. And I was nine. My brother was 13 years old. And we were fortunate. We had a loving and supportive father. And we were very fortunate to have additional support from my mother's family, her sister, the sister-in-laws, the uncles, the cousins, those people that really came to our rescue and offered support to my father. And thankfully, he took it. He, he took the help. You know, you told me that you grew up in a really small town in Connecticut, and so did I. I grew up in Newington, and you were just a few miles down the road. Right, yeah. We, we practically grew up next door to each other in Southington, Connecticut. Yes. Describe that town to me. Southington was a very supportive community for our family to live in after the loss of my mother. If I was being honest, I really felt as if I was that girl that everyone whispered about. You know, growing up, it was a loving and supportive community. My brother and I were both star students, star athletes. Everyone supported my dad. Friends' moms were carpooling to take that kind of angst off of my father's plate and lots of encouragement and support from teachers and family friends. I had a great group of girlfriends who are my lifelines today. Those things matter. You know, you can't deny that those things matter. Having this extended family, actually, that's from Boston. My mother was a Murphy. The Irish Catholic Murphy family will tell you what's what. And those family members really saved me. 
and they wanted us to know who my mother was. They told us stories. They kept us connected to them. So I spent an incredible amount of time here in Boston, having grown up in Connecticut. So what do you remember about your mom, Kit? I remember vividly, and sadly, so many of my family, they fear that I don't remember her, and that pains them. I'm being honest when I say I have very vivid memories of my mother. She was smart and funny and beautiful, and she really was And in all of these cliches, but she really lit up a room. She had this dark hair, these blue eyes. She was beautiful. She also was funny and witty, and and she was opinionated, and I loved that. You know, when you lose your mother young, she's angelic and she's perfect. As I got older, these stories that I would kind of put together from friends and family, her college friends, and you find that she was flawed. And I loved that. Those were the times that I I wanted to hear all of those stories. She could be clicky with her little girlfriends. She was very opinionated, but she was loving and accepting. You know, she had friends everywhere that she went. She was a matriarch in her family. She, you know, told her brothers what to do. She was a very loving daughter and um, was the favorite. She had a strong personality and she and my father were a really beautiful married couple. I've seen the picture of your mom holding you. I think we'll post that when when uh, when the show airs so all of our listeners can see you in your mommy's arms. For me, losing my mother as a teenager, I always say, was like uh, being set out to sea in a boat without a paddle. It was like walking around in the dark without a flashlight. Mm -hmm. What was it like for you? It was like living on planet Mars. I have another sort of similar anecdote. I really do. I look back at my life. You know, Rosie O'Donnell says she lived in color and her mother died and she lived in black and white. I related to that when I heard that line. I do even share sometimes with fathers that I'll meet through Empower Her, I'll say, you know, as they're struggling to understand what their daughter is going through, why she's angry, what when she's going to be sad, how she's going to respond to the next milestone moment, what's happening. I almost, with a shake to my head, think she may as well live on planet Mars because I did for about 10 years. I still had a beautiful childhood. I still can say that because I had love and support. My pain was immense at times unbearable. And there was great sadness. I missed her. I, I didn't suffer from depression. I suffered from this incredible sadness. It's a permanent missing loss kind it of was, thing. Like losing a limb. I think about some families, especially for young girls who are more cognizant. I was nine years old when my mother died. There was a lot that I was not privy to. I wasn't aware really that she was dying. I knew she was sick with cancer, but That was the extent of it. There was no formal goodbye. And um, I talked to a lot of girls who have had that experience of having a formal goodbye as a young girl or as an adolescent girl. Good, bad, better or worse. I didn't have a formal goodbye and I really didn't know that she was dying. But I knew she was sick and I had absolutely no tools to process that. And so after she died, it got worse. I had and even less tools <laughs> to yeah. process that. And of course, you know, when, when you're a teenager and then when it's time to go off to college, boy, that's a time when you really need your mm-hmm. mom. Let's talk yep. about college. What was that yep. like for you? Where'd you go to school and what were you studying? Well, I loved that experience. I think that was my rebirth. I was talking with Hope Edelman recently. We um, co-produced an event at the HBO Theater a few weeks ago. And Hope said, oh, yeah, of course, Kara. Most children begin to grieve when they leave the house. 
And I thought that was specific to our family. I followed my big brother to UConn and where he was a tennis player. And I, I, of course, had to play tennis at UConn and join a sorority because he was in a fraternity. And that was our relationship always really looking up to my brother. He said to me as a freshman at UConn, you know, hold on to your hat, basically, because this is going to be a really rough year. You're, you're going to start grieving mom. I had no idea what he meant, but in fact, all the research supports what my brother, (laughs) you know, unbeknownst to us, he knew. And I did. I had a really impactful first year. It was met with excitement. It was a lot of freedom to leave your hometown, a small hometown where everyone knows your story. There's great freedom in that. I blossomed. I found out really who I was then in college. You began your career as a school psychologist and then ended up working in fundraising for nonprofits. Mm -hmm. Can you tell our listeners about that portion of your life? Yeah, of course, because I love talking to younger people. Now that I'm 40 years old, I love talking to the 30-year-old woman who's considering a change in her career or considering how she spends her days. I became a school psychologist because I always felt passionate about the mental health field, and I loved working with children with disabilities. But I was in a school district. In my heart of hearts, I knew it wasn't the right job for me. It felt like I wanted to have more of a global reach. I wanted to help more people in any way possible. So I always knew I would stay in this helping profession My mother's diagnosis with breast cancer was my fuel for my interest in working with Susan G. Komen for the Cure, but an organization that I really admired for changing the face of breast cancer, talking about a taboo topic 30 years ago. Breast cancer wasn't even mentioned in the media, and I I wanted in on that world. I left my job as a school psychologist, and I went into nonprofit management, working with Susan G. Komen. I'm really proud of the work that I've done with them and and the funds that we've raised in the world of breast cancer. You know, it's very interesting that you should talk about how the face of breast cancer has really changed. When my mother was diagnosed a million years ago, you didn't even say the word cancer. You, or it was whispered, she's on the cancer floor, or, you know, she has breast cancer. Yes. And it's really something that people feel now, at least, that we Mm -hmm. can all talk about. And Susan G. Komen and Making Strides Against Breast Cancer Mm -hmm. and Dr. Susan Love, I can think of so many people whom I've met and interviewed who've really been responsible for turning that whole thing around. Yes. Those women in particular who really formed those movements and have really mobilized more support, that has been my motivation at Empower Her because I didn't realize mother loss was a taboo topic. Breast cancer was a taboo topic 30, 40 years ago. We're really hoping to do just the same at Empower Her, helping people to become more comfortable talking about the death of a young mother in a community. Thank you for listening to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry in the spotlight. Kara Belvin, she's the founder of Empower Her. Now, that's a nonprofit whose sole mission is to empower young girls who have experienced the early loss of their mothers. And while you're listening to this interview, if you want to multitask and find out more, just go to empoweringher.org. Let's talk a little bit about the aha moment, because I think you're just about to get to that chapter in your life. You realized that you could use your skills, having worked at very successful nonprofits, and your experience as a child psychologist, and voila, mm-hmm. the motherless daughter create empower her idea comes mm-hmm. about. Take us back to that moment in your life. I've had a couple of wacky ideas over the years, but never fantasized about starting my own nonprofit organization. And truth be told, I really wasn't comfortable talking about my own mother loss. 
I mean, for years and years and years. I should mention after my mother died, in our house, my dad, my brother, and I, we never talked about my mother. And that's very, very common. And I understand all the reasons for it. And I hold no ill will. Just a few years ago, actually, I had moved to the South Shore of Boston. And I moved into town. And I'm an open book. I had shared, you know, I had lost my mother as a child, or I, I worked in the world of breast cancer. And you know, to all of my new mom friends in situate. Soon I was being introduced to a friend of a friend of a friend, a, a young widowed father, you know, who had just lost his wife and who had two girls at home or three girls at home. And after grabbing, you know, a cup of coffee with several different widows and, and talking about loss and answering their very personal, very deep questions about just how my father got through it and if my brother and I are still getting along and was I upset when my father started dating? I would then meet their daughters and I'd be back to school shopping and I'd be going out for ice cream after a bad day. And I was out and about with these girls and other women would stop me and say, you know, because every woman knows who that young girl is in their community. You know, tell the father I'll do that. I would love to grab ice cream with her after a bad day. And, and I thought, OK, well, I can't really just make that kind of introduction, but maybe there's a forum for this. It's funny, but my best friend from childhood, she called me up one day, six in the morning, and she said, I had this dream that you started this nonprofit, and it's called Empower Her. It's for girls whose moms died. She herself was a graphic designer, and she said, I just emailed you the logo. Go check it out. Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. These days, more and more people are working from home. When your computer breaks down, you lose business. This is Dave Elmasian, president of TechHelpBoston.com. Our tech experts will come to your home or office to fix your computer. Same day, next day, and weekends too. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted us since 2000. You can trust Tech Help Boston to keep your computer and systems running right. Call 781-484-1265 or visit TechHelpBoston.com. That's TechHelpBoston.com. I'm thinking, she's crazy. I look at this logo, sent chills up my spine, and I said, oh, my God, but you're crazy. You have no idea what kind of an undertaking this is to start a nonprofit org. I'm not going to do that. You do it. It's such a great idea. A year went by, and that nagged at me, and it nagged at me. Then one day, I finally, I looked at my husband, who, you know, my husband is my biggest cheerleader, and I said, I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And you know what this means. It's an enormous personal and financial sacrifice. And he said, it's such a great idea. You've got to do it. The idea was to simply take teenage girls away on Mother's Day because that was such a lousy time for me growing up. And it wasn't even the day. It was the two weeks leading up to the day. Yeah. I immediately started to envision, you know, these girls packing their bags, you know, receiving this big, beautiful invitation in the mail and Girls of all different walks of life, you know, the jock, the bookworm, the beauty queen, we were all just going to go into the city and go out to dinner and maybe catch a show and, and we're going to do yoga and it's going to be peaceful, but we're also going to laugh. and You're going to do girl stuff. And even, you know, the tomboy wants to do girl stuff too, where she can put her feet up on what is such an emotionally draining time. It's such a difficult holiday. Christmas or any holiday could be different. Mom's anniversary is difficult. Day to day, I mean, every single day, they're, they're thinking of their mother. Those are difficult times. But that was the vision. Let me raise just a little bit of money each year. And at no charge, we'll make for this incredible weekend. And that first weekend, we went to the Boston Harbor Hotel. And it was magic. Becoming a mother 
was one of the most healing experiences I have ever had because I had that bond again. It was the other way around where I was the mama, but I was holding this beautiful little girl. I had my son first, but when Colleen came along, it was like suddenly my heart just got sewn right back together again. What was it like when they put your child in your arms for the first like time? color back into my world. It was, I lived in color. My It went black and white. I had Murphy, my son Murphy, who we named after my mother. I instantly bonded with him. That wasn't at all an issue, you know, where we worry as a motherless daughter. It was instant. I fell madly in love with my son. My world was in color. It was almost like a rebirth. And I, I know this now about grief, this sort of grief journey, as they say. That changed my world. There were two really incredible moments. One, becoming a mother and also taking consideration for preventative surgeries to prevent breast cancer that I had just done within the last few years. Those were two very big moments that made someone like me, the nine-year-old girl whose mother died, you know, the sense of shortened life that we sometimes are left with. Those two moments changed all of that. Are you saying to me that you had a mastectomy, mm -hmm. a preventative I bilateral did. mastectomy. I did. and Because you carried a BRCA, BRCA gene? Oddly enough, I'm negative for the BRCA gene. I am positive for a rather new gene that they've detected called BRIP1, which still increases my risk of breast and ovarian cancer. It's a lethal gene. With the great support of Boston doctors, I did my due diligence my husband and I came to this conclusion we would endure this really year-long journey of a prophylactic mastectomy with reconstruction day of and an oophorectomy, which is the removal of your ovaries. Wow. Wow. Yeah. On the As other, a 40-year-old. On the other, <laughs> it's not fun. On the other side of this, though, Kara, it feels to me like in doing so, you really took charge of your life and mm -hmm. your destiny. Mm-hmm. As best I as could. As best you can. As best you can. And I, I tell this to anyone who is interested in the conversation, because I really am an open book. I would I would share this with anyone, and I would share it with a young girl if she was interested, you know, the young girl who lost her mother to breast cancer. It really controlled much of my thinking. It created incredible amounts of anxiety in that I didn't know if I shared my mother's fate. You know, nothing specific really to the cancer itself, but just as a young woman growing up and having a, a son and then later having this beautiful baby girl and my mother had a son and then followed by a girl. And I thought, oh, my God, am I? Am Is this I, history I? repeating itself? Yes. Yes. One of the hardest days of my life was the day that I turned 52 which was the age my mother was when she died. Mm -hmm. I can remember looking at that date on the calendar and thinking, oh, my God, how, how am I going to get through this? And it made me realize, first of all, how young she was, but you got to walk in somebody's shoes. Mm -hmm. How did it feel when you turned 37? You're looking yourself in the mirror and saying, my God, my mother died at 37? Oh, yeah. And there's so much of your life ahead. Yeah. I'll try to do this with um, without crying. There were two days in my life. Well, I'm sorry. Hope Edelman, to, to um, mention her again, because she was someone who saved my life. Author of Motherless Daughters. You got to read the book. Mm -hmm. Hope calls these the neon ages, the age you are when your mother died and the age your child is when you lost your mother. 
oddly enough, I've got to try to find humor in it. When I was 35 years old, I went in for a routine mammogram and thankfully was delivered good results by my oncologist here in Boston. And I collapsed. I had a complete, I really, let's just call it an anxiety attack. This happened to me at Newton Wellesley Hospital yeah. once. Yes. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. So up there at Dana-Farber, I'm like in a puddle on the floor in my oncologist's office and I'm 35 and she just said, go home. You have, you know, a normal mammogram. I couldn't find the words. And she, without even looking in my file, but what a great doctor, she said, 35 was your hot button. And I said, what do you mean? She said, your mother was 35 when she was diagnosed. That was your number. It wasn't 37. I got in my car, I mean, in my hour drive home in like the worst Boston traffic and I think I like picked up a coffee on the way. I like blaring music. Like my life started yes. in the car on the way on home. On the way home. Because I wasn't diagnosed with breast cancer on that very day. And so my daughter is seven years old. When my daughter turns nine years old, I think that's going to be a it's really difficult be a big time. Day. It's yeah. going to be a big day. Mm -hmm. Let's start preparing now. Yes, what do I need to do? <laughs> Let's talk about these beautiful girls that you work with. I'm so fortunate that I've had a chance to meet quite a few of them and Boy, these girls, you can learn so much from them. One of them said in one of the interviews, the worst brings out the best in us. She looked she was about nine or ten years old. Yes. Words of wisdom from a yes. little girl. Yeah. What have you learned from these girls? I've learned everything from these girls. These girls have more courage than I ever had at their age. Even though I was desperate to be in their shoes, to be given a voice, I was desperate to have this experience that empower her. The girls have really changed everything in my life. There are lots of different facets here. The first point I want to make is I've never met one of their mothers. 130 girls across the state of Massachusetts that are part of our programs, I've never met one of their mothers. And I think of their mothers every day because I think, God forbid I ever leave this earth too soon. I need to know it wouldn't destroy Murphy and Ava. I need to know that they would be okay. So I see that as a very big part of my mission of my day-to-day -day work is helping to ensure for that, that mother that's going to miss so much. We're helping to take care of her young girl. We're going to help her to live the best and most fulfilled life, this beautiful life still at her fingertips. I'm going to help her try to see that. It's going to take an unbelievable amount of work for her to see it. I won't stop trying to help her see that. The girls have great courage. They want to talk about their loss. They want to be part of the story. I think that more than ever is the most important thing that Empower Her can do. No one should grieve in silence. A child should not grieve in silence. As difficult it is for all the family around who are still grieving themselves and for all the family that may not be really capable I would encourage those families to try their best to find other resources and tools for that child because that is a mistake to not grieve. I was nine when my mother died. I grieved when I turned 18 and I went to college. There are quite a few new aspects to your program. Originally, it, the idea was let's go shopping on Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. But now you have your Mother's Day retreat and you also have a one-on-one -on -one mentoring match. Each girl between the ages of 5 and 18 within your program is able to have a mentor assigned mm -hmm. to her, someone who follows her and gives five hours a month to this child. 
Yes. So when we started four years ago, it was this simple idea and the simple goal to reduce isolation that girl may feel in her own community, as was my experience. So these events like the Mother's Day retreat turned into a beach party with surf lessons. And and then it was a cooking class. And it was a skincare class as, as more of an educational piece, you know, art therapy and writing and on and on. We were doing that for the first two years at Empower Her, and and it became very, very clear. And and really, this was where my heart was. I wanted to build a mentor program. So the mentor program is incredible, and these mentors are exceeding any expectation I ever, ever had. We match with a positive role model from the community, and many times the role model, she herself is a woman who can relate to the loss. So she may have lost her mother in childhood. In other cases, She still has her mother here, but she knows adversity. You know, women know adversity. I always say that. So this this young girl that's experienced this incredible loss is out of sequence. I often think throughout their life, they'll, they'll meet other women who have experienced this incredible trauma or adversity, more in sequence, perhaps. So our mentor program has been an unbelievable source of support for the family, for the father, for the grandmother, for the stepmother for any part of the family and and for her unit. We try to offer additional supports. It's really pretty fun and leisurely, and girls go rock climbing with their mentor, walks in the dog park, ice cream after a bad day. Maybe figure out shared interests, be be exposed to something that the mentor loves, and voila, maybe the girl loves it too. Absolutely. What is mother love? Oh. It's so big. My mother love to my children is something different than what I received as a daughter of a mother. My brother and I say this all the time. Our moms gave us wings to fly. You know, my mother gave me wings to fly. Maybe it's maturity and maybe it's the fact that I'm a mother, but I finally, I got to a place in my grief where I realized how lucky I was to have been loved by her and how lucky I was to love her. I want people to remember that. Nine years is a very short amount of time, I understand that, but I was not unmothered. I was mothered. She left this world kicking and screaming. She would have done anything to still be here with my brother and I. And I know that now as a mother. I can't imagine the pain and heartache in accepting a fate like that. I know just how much she loved me. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? (laughs) Wine. (laughs) Just kidding. I think that's one of the most honest girls trip. Yeah, that's one of the most honest answers to that question I've ever gotten of the 600 plus women I've had a chance to sit with. That's a good one. Wine. Okay. besides wine, what what else do you do when an obstacle is in your path? Number one, I surround myself with people who will only lift me higher. That was a quote a couple years ago, probably off Pinterest. But I am very careful about who I surround myself with. I am always listening. I've always had mentorship. I've been so fortunate, and it's been men and women, but the women in my life who have helped guide me through any obstacle, I have hung on to their every word. And shared experience is what gets me through it. I know, okay, this is not the worst thing that anyone has ever experienced. This is being experienced by millions of people all over the world every day. You know, I, I try to tell myself those things so that I can break it down into smaller parts. You know, I I spoke to a group of Bentley business students recently, and as a 40-year-old woman, I'm looking at, you know, a 20-year-old woman out in this audience, and I'm thinking, you're the company you keep, and just always remember that. If you choose a partner, 
that partner is a really big part of who you become because they will allow you to do things. That relationship allows you to see the world in a very positive or in a very negative light. If you could talk to your younger self, looking back now in the rearview mirror, what would you say to Kara? (laughs) That little girl, what would you say to her? It was all going to be okay. I think I just simply needed to know it was survivable. What does success mean to you? Name of the show is the story behind her success. Mm -hmm. And you're a very humble person, whether you know it or not, you are a success story. What is your definition? It's living the life I want. I'm living exactly the life that I want. I don't take for a second the good health of myself, my husband, Murphy and Ava. I'm so fulfilled in my life personally, and those were a lot of good choices we've made over the years. It's a funny thing. If you know me off the air, I'm 150 miles an hour, and I've got a 100 things going on, and, and a lot of people will say, oh, my God, you know, I, your life would make my head spin. And I think, but this is exactly, this is how my mind works. This is exciting and fun to me. And I, I'm doing work that I'm really, really proud of. That's success. And I'm really proud of the kind of mother I am. That's success. I'll never forget that one night, four years ago, I I said to my husband, I think I'm going to do this. I think I'm going to start this nonprofit and I'm going to call it Empower Her. And this is what it'll exist to do. And he looked at me and he said, I love it. It's such a good idea. You just can't screw this up. I'm here to help you in any way possible. And what he meant was, this is going to be a massive undertaking. It's going to impact every aspect of your life, like it or not. You know, we could drive Range Rovers or we could leave our mark on this world. And that's success. (laughs) I think you're leaving a pretty big mark. (laughs) Thank you. For many charities, the goal is for the disease to be cured, the human condition to be improved. But for your nonprofit, Kara... There is no end in sight. Mm -hmm. Mothers are always going to die, leaving their daughters behind. What is your end goal, your greatest hope for Empower Her? Strong girls, confident girls, and the conversation changed. I think it's time for us to promote healthy conversations around grief and loss, particularly as it relates to children I'm not done, though. I mean, I want to support the boy who lost his mom, and I want to support the father who loses his wife, his best friend, and watches his children grieve, which is an unbearable situation to be in. And I worked for a long time at Susan G. Coleman thinking, you know, we we worked really hard to be put out of business. This topic is never changing. It's never going away. And grief never goes away. And I don't say that to worry anyone listening who's in grief. I say that There are beautiful parts to grief, but it becomes a part of your story, whether we like it or not. (laughs) Can you tell our listeners how to donate? Or maybe we've got some Massachusetts listeners who want to perhaps become mentors in your program. Yes, please do. Please go to our website. We rely on volunteer hours. We're a volunteer-driven organization. We're very good stewards of donor dollars. If you make a donation, we spend it very well with very little expenses at the nonprofit, and we rely on countless in-kind donations. We encourage you to go to our website, empoweringher.org, 
You can make a donation. You can send a girl to the Mother's Day Retreat this May in downtown Boston. We have great little gifts and giveaways for donations on our site now if you check. And, and of course, if you're interested in serving as a mentor, whether or not you can relate to the loss, we encourage you to apply to serve as a mentor. We're particularly interested in mentors that live further out west. We, we have a wait list now on the South Shore for um, mentors to be matched with a mentee. But we certainly encourage you to donate your time and treasure to empower her. I want to thank you so much for being our guest here on the story behind her success. Kara Belvin, founder, mother, daughter, wife, friend, empower her. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment. This is a new series with one goal in mind to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. Connect with Candy anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story? We'd love to hear it.